Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Living Education Podcast, your podcast about education. This is Paloma, and I'm here with my friend Claudio. Today, we want to talk about a very special topic, the Erasmus Mundus Master Joint Degrees. It's really special to us because we, the three of us, Camila, Clau, and I, we studied these masters, and it's the reason why we created this podcast that brought us together. And we would like this episode to be a bit of a tribute to our colleagues that we really love, our professors, and to the program and the experience we lived in. Firstly, I would let uh, Claudio introduce to you a little what are these masters and why they are so interesting. So, hello, Clau. Hello, Paloma. How are you? Good, good. All right, guys. The Erasmus Joint Master's Degrees. Well, some of you may know it, others may not, but this is the largest master's program in Europe, the most founded one. This year, I think they had around uh, 150 programs going on from different universities. Correct me if I'm uh, wrong, Paloma, on that. Is it around I, 150, the number? I'm pretty sure it is, but I'm not sure either. I counted them today and I think it was around that, yes. Let's say more or less that. What's a joint master's degree then? Well, it's a degree given to you jointly by two or more European universities who come into a consortium uh, to offer these degrees. They are funded by and run by the European Union through the Commission and the Education Department, the Education Directorate General. I was looking at the numbers, uh, Paloma, in the last two years, the Commission gave to different universities around 330 million euros for more than 90 programs of studies. Well, that's a lot of money, no? What do you think? Yes, it's very impressive. It's a lot of money and I think what makes these programs very special is that uh, they allocate scholarships to a percentage of their students, at least at the beginning of the ex when they get awarded with the grant of the EU. So today we will mainly focus on the program we were in, that is GLOBED, which is the master's we carried out, which is uh, Global Education Policies for Global Development, because we have more insights. So although the, we want to talk a bit of what are those masters, this one in particular, we will have more input. So in our case, for example, how it was structured is that the first semester we were in Barcelona was the host university. Then we had two options to, in the second semester, was to go to Oslo or to Amsterdam. Amsterdam was not a full partner of these masters, although Oslo was. So what happened is that half of the class went to one uh, city and the other one went uh, to Amsterdam. And then during the summer, We went all together again. We got together again to go to Malta, where we did our summer school. After this summer school, each individual, or sometimes it happened that two or three people, went to conduct the same internship and during three, four months. And then we went to conduct fieldwork for our final um, thesis. And then we had a three, four month period as well to really analyze the data that we collected during fieldwork and to write our thesis. This is very particular to our masters, right? But I think the structure of going from one semester to another in different countries, it's very similar to other programs, right, Cloud? Exactly, exactly. But before we go into that, uh, let's, uh, tell, let's remind our listeners today who can apply to these programs. Is it hmm. only for European students, Paloma, or more than that? Yeah, actually, the, the cool thing about those programs is that it's not only for Europeans and scholarships are not only for Europeans. And there is also this will to be an international program. 
So in our case, for example, we're 20 students from 17 nationalities, and we had people from Pakistan, from South Africa, from Kenya, from Ethiopia, from uh, Albania, Italy, Spain, France, uh, Thailand, Thailand, US, US. Uh, who else uh, we are forgetting? I don't know, but there were a lot. Yeah, lots of... Not to remember. Like, if we forgot someone, we're sorry, guys, listening to us. We're really, really sorry. The point is that these master's uh, degrees have the particularity that they are international. And that makes it great that we can exchange and be in touch with so many people. While I was... uh, I had some time in the European Commission, I was in contact with people doing other master's degrees like this one. And uh, they were also in big groups of people from all over the world. So it's really a characteristic of these masters that's amazing that's amazing to hear that now let's go into a really interesting topic that i wanted to talk more about with you the growth how did you feel after the program ended personally professionally so as i was talking before although i explained a little the structure we must not forget that it was not only about the content so our masters was about education policies and then when you went to oslo you specialized in European policies. And when we went to Amsterdam, it was more about critical education, education in conflict setting or education for peace. So this master, as I explained before, uh, with the structure that first we were in Barcelona and then we went to the two different cities and then to the summer school, we specialized in different topics, in global education policies, but also in really specific ones such as critical education or education in emergencies. But what I wanted to add is that we also had guest lectures. We also did activities such as we went to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in The Hague in Holland. We also went to in our summer school was about religion so we went to different religious communities and to understand what was the relation with education we also did activities such as uh, one evening we went to uh, learn about a project in Barcelona that was working with education and music. In reality, talking with one of the coordinators of this master, he told me that Globet was about matching the form with the content. And to me, that made a lot of sense, which is not only kind of talking about education for development around the world and how our global policies done, but it's also about the form. So it's about people meeting all around. It's about intercultural dialogue. It's about developing empathy. It's about getting to know each other. What do you think, Claudio? How? Uh, I really agree with you. For me personally, it was an it was an amazing experience because you get to develop your own social and cultural capital, being confronted in, with all these different uh, people from different countries with different experiences as well. So you develop as a person. In the end of it, you become more adaptable to change because you're moving from place to place. In a short time, you become more resilient, and in the end, you get to travel. Like who, who, who doesn't want like traveling? Yeah, actually, that's one of the things that made me dream about this masters. Kind of the possibility to change so many times of the house. And uh, for this episode, uh, we had the chance to talk to some of our colleagues and coordinators, and we really thank them for that. And we got interesting insight as well on their personal growth. One of our dear friends really talked about how she felt that the master transformed her, transferred her identity. She felt that she get into the masters with a label 
And she ended up getting rid of that label and understanding the field in a very new way. Then I think the master's also allowed me. I was before the master's, I was really connected to one type of activism. And by the end, I was able to link that activism to a wider cause, a wider understanding of the social movement, interaction and education uh, dynamics. So in that sense, it really transformed. But on the more personal ground as well, I think one of the girls that also was willing to share with me some of her, of her thoughts and experience really talked about something that to me also is really prevalent, is this sense of unity that I think most of us felt during Globet, that we became a family. Traveling around this was very challenging. You felt a bit lost. But there was this sense of becoming a family, really. I think, Claudio and Kami, you are part of my family, and we are all together so linked now. Um, I don't know how is your feeling. Don't say that you're not my family, Claudio, and you will break my heart. Oh, we're, we're a family, even though we're in distance. We're a family, because when you go into a new place and uh, you leave everything behind, your old life behind, you attach and connect to people that you share the same thing, things with. That's what we all shared in common, starting a new life together for those one or two years, an academic life, probably. We can call that. Plus, you guys helped me to learn Spanish, one of the benefits. Yeah, I think languages for many was a central point, no? That uh, first of all, our masters, although was in English, people with different levels of English were able to kind of pursue. And that was something that we all felt was an equalizer in a way. And that we felt that it gave us the opportunity not to stay in the forum, but really go into the content and to really create these bonds but other languages we all learned different languages there is people that are now becoming super fluent in Dutch and German and we are all super impressed by those improvements we I think all... you Paloma learned Italian no? During well I already had some basis but it's true that meeting two wonderful Italian girls and being all together for nights and nights and sleeping and sharing pasta really made me improve my Italian and then I had the chance to meet my partner, who's also Italian, during the Masters, which is also a hidden part of these Masters, that it made... That's an added value, an extra benefit. Yeah, actually, so. I'm very impressed, Claudio, <laughs> that in our Masters, we were 20 people and I think 16 girls. And Claudio managed, was one of the few males, and he managed to finish the Masters without a female partner. So pretty I don't know how I achieved that. That, that. that takes a lot of, uh, I don't know... <laughs> Courage, failure, I don't know if you guys call it. <laughs> and listening to us. Uh, that's just that we became a family and you couldn't um, engage in that romantic... Uh, exactly, that, that's, that's foul play. We don't uh, do that in your family. Exactly. But said that, we really had love that emerged out of these uh, masters. We have a lot of common goals that were formed and that made some of us stay in some countries that we were not expecting. So we will talk a bit more about that uh, later. But maybe on this social network that is so strong, um, one of the girls uh, I was talking to really that, that for her it was like kind of an endless source of information and contacts, not only personally. So for sure, for us, the three of us, when we have a personal problem, I very easily go and talk to my colleagues from Globet. I think it's also your case, Clau, when but also at the professional level, like I think this podcast is one of these examples that 
we feel so bound and so compatible uh, work-wise and we know what are the assets of each of us that then it makes us want to engage to one another in professional-wise. And I don't know, our WhatsApp group, for example, very often it's about, oh, do you know a project that does this? I need this information. Oh, do you have expertise in this field? And we kind of try to help each other. And I think that is really valuable tool that we have developed for this project. What do you think? Yes, uh, if we have never met these things, this project, this podcast would have never happened. Finishing the program, then apart from uh, the network, the social one, you also have a professional network that you can rely to. You can connect at any time for feedback, for assistance, for new opportunities, which is important aspect of this kind of master's degrees for most of the students because your network is not your local network anymore. It's not your regional network. It's a global network of experts, a pool of experts from all over the world that you can rely on. Yeah. That's so true. And also outside of these kind of more professional tools, I feel that we have all developed other skills. So I remember very clearly when we got to Barcelona, it was still summertime and many of us didn't know how to swim. And I've been swimming most of my life. So I did some swimming uh, lessons to some of my colleagues. And then when we got to Amsterdam, many of us didn't know how to ride a bike and getting around Amsterdam without a bike can be challenging. So that also happened. And I don't know, Claudio, maybe you want to share your experience with yoga. Uh, I remember in Barcelona, we had free yoga lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, in the beginning, I had no idea what what yoga was about. And when I started practicing it, my my whole body hurt. It hurt like hell, like the first few times. And it was offered through the program, which I really want to thank those guys doing that for us. And now four years later, I'm still doing yoga myself. I'm not like a yogi master or whatnot, but I'm practicing like four or five times per week. And it's really helpful for my body and my mental health as well. Yeah, and also I think the bonding no? that uh, created those lessons. I remember those Tuesday after the class that was so intense of social justice, running to um, yoga was kind of a relief and time to kind of uh, refine ourselves. I think like it's the social events that you connect more with people, you know, not, not the formal events, the social, the afterwards, like even mm-hmm. like going to a party, the after party, <laughs> call it like that. Yeah, something like that. And also uh, moving around with people also, I think, creates that bond. I remember super clearly one day that we were moving to Amsterdam and we hired with Kami a small smart to fit all our luggages inside to go from one part of the city to another. It's something that every time I will move, I will probably think of that smart full of things around and moving around the city with those things. That's those crazy. Iconic things that will always stay. Yeah, I remember like I lived for some months on my luggage, like traveling around with two luggages and people were like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I don't know where to leave this. <laughs> Yeah, being homeless, it's uh, also a feeling. It's also something that I think I would like to stress as well, that although it's fantastic, it's a great experience, traveling like that and being homeless for two years, it's... More not deep. really homeless. Don't, don't, don't discourage people. It's not a real homelessness. No, but you don't have a reference point as you used to have. You don't have that bonding to one place. You have a bonding to several places. But it is really challenging. And I think it is uh, very linked to mental 
health and what the emotional support that some of us had. And I think if you don't have that emotional support, it is harder to carry out and to be able to successfully go through Globet. That doesn't mean that it wasn't amazing and that we didn't learn, but it's a part of the learning that it was so hard to move. And I think that really leads to one of the key questions that I think are always behind my mind, at least, of these uh, masters. It, how is it about this equity or is it about excellence? What is the aim of those projects and in such a diverse group? Uh, the way I understand that this is that it's more about excellence and equity. Mm-hmm. It's pretty obvious on uh, what are the demands for this kind of scholarship to get like uh, the scholarship for the Globet uh, or the other kind of joint master degrees for programs which are really general scholarships of 1,000 euros per month and there's like only limited number of people that they accept every year these programs. They cover your flight costs and they cover your apart from your living costs also your relocation costs and things like that and your health insurance as well. So it's more about uh, excellence because of the big number of applications and the criteria that they put in place in order to go through each application. I don't think that it's not uh, much about equity, but uh, what's your point on that? Yeah, actually, I very much agree that, of course, it, it is very hard to really read, like to select who gets that scholarship. And in the in the basis of the scholarship, uh, there is no mention at, at all of equity. So that creates a bit, at least to me as a European uh, citizen, I'm, I feel that perhaps that shouldn't be only limited to excellent students, but just students. Everyone should have the right to have a scholarship to travel and to learn from each other. But of course, resources are limited. Yeah, exactly. uh... Resources are limited, so you have to choose. But it does give the chance to some people that get the scholarship to travel. But mm, it's still, I would say, a program that uh, reach the most privileged. Uh, We have to learn to have a good level of English. We are willing to travel. We have support. But uh, that said, of course, it's something to think about, perhaps. I feel like we, you know, the the kind of people who apply to these programs are part of a similar or the same tribe. You know, they have a lot of same interests, like traveling, like being outside of their comfort zone, speaking lots of languages. And yeah, like lots of them, they don't come from a middle class or like a lower class, uh, which is a fact because it's more competitive mm. to get into one of these programs if we think that you have like 500 applications, maybe more than you have like 10 or 20 scholarships or sports in each program. But we don't want to discourage the applicants and students because our friend Kami, who is not here today, but she's doing all the behind the scenes work for this episode, she got herself like a really generous uh, scholarship as well for her own government also like all these other scholarships from governments and other foundation institutions but please Paloma no yes and actually it's a good point one of our friends that also was in this master said like that we have to acknowledge this privilege and also think how to use this privilege to change things and to make this world better no Uh, sometimes our world is made of privilege and sometimes recognizing that privilege is already a big part if we use it for making good things. So maybe it's a positive note on that. But of course, they're also self-funded. In myself, I, I worked part of the time of the of the master's. Of course, there are mechanisms as well to kind of get there. But of course, it means a lot of effort. Um, maybe we can then uh, think a bit what happens after the master's? What is it to go back? 
How does it feel after two years of being a nomad, living in many places and bonding with that family of 20 people that become your siblings and just one day you wake up and they're not there anymore and you're alone and you don't really know where to go? For me, at least, that was my experience. Where do I go and how do I survive <laughs> without those ones? Thankfully, technology allows me to be very close to them, but still, I am still very nostalgic about my family. There's a thing called the post-Erasmus depression. Really? <laughs> uh, well, from what I'm reading, not just for the joint master's degrees, also like for students who go into an Erasmus abroad and all that, when they need to go back to their normal lives, they have like a condition of or psychologist called the post-Erasmus depression because you need to readjust into your whole life mm. or into a new life after the break of some months or a couple of years in our case. Yeah, and I think it's always easy. No, it's not easy to, at all. And um, we were discussing that uh, the mindset, well, when you start the, ma the master's, no, that there were some people that very clearly thought, okay, as soon as I'm done, I will go back home and continue my life. And I just gained a family and I gained like an expertise in a particular topic and perhaps a network of professionals. For others, that wasn't that clear. Some of us, we were not sure where to go. Like I, I wondered after the master's for a year, Others, like it was, uh, they already had a partner and they just followed that partner. For example, one of our friends just uh, followed what, yeah, what her partner was doing. The going back is a very different story depending on who you are and where you're from. So being a European student, for me, it was very easy to stay in Europe if I wanted to, but also to move to another place. For other persons, I think, Claudio, you are one of those. You had some country and visa requirement problems, right? Yeah, of course. For people from three countries, that always depends on the program uh, you're studying in, which is uh, the host university, the country of origin, and you need to follow the visa and residence permit requirements of the host country, like the first country that, uh, that the university belongs is running the program. So this depends on each country and each university so there's not a common rule for every eu country some no. of them they have like an easy process of getting a residence permit afterwards and finding a job some of them it's more difficult or near impossible so it depends it's more on a country level always yeah and um, one aspect that was also pointed out to us is that in some countries for example there are other type of scholarship that require that after you do your study abroad then you have to come back to your home country to kind of so that there is not a brain drain in the case of think, Erasmus, sorry i think achieving is one of that the uk scholarship but then uh, in the erasmus plus uh, mundus uh, scholarship there is not such a requirement which implies that if you want you could stay in europe and actually i think it's one of the ideas to kind of spread the european norms and values coming back it's not easy for everyone in our cohort, at least, I think we all kind of found a little nest and we're still building that nest and um, where there is more people and more experiences. Uh, some stayed in Europe, some went back home, some just went to a different country. Uh, one of our colleagues did an internship in one country and she stayed there because she was offered a job. So it really depends. Some, we are still to some extent working in the same field. Others completely changed field of work and of interest which I think it's also interesting to, to think about that at the end it opened up other interests and other perspectives maybe of Exactly, and lots of other opportunities. Even if you go back and you come from a third world country, uh, like the outside EU and the European Economic Area countries, so that's what's the third 
countries are uh, like in the program even if you go back or go somewhere else you have lots of job opportunities because of all the skills that you've developed so it, nothing is a lost case there's always like things that you can do with your career afterwards lots of things actually and what are you doing now aren't you involved in any association maybe that you want to share uh, yeah. Uh, yeah apart from my uh, private business endeavors uh, and the podcast we guys are doing together which is amazing like the most amazing thing happening in post-corona 2020 for me I'm also one of the representatives of the Western Balkans Alumni Association. It's another EU association for years for students from the Western Balkans who study or have studied in Europe, but also professors and others who have benefited from EU study programs. And I'm running uh, for since uh, last fall, I'm running the Albanian uh, national branch. With and what is the role of this association uh, to with Erasmus Mundus? Like, what does it give to the network and why is it important to you? Uh-huh. But going back to that, I wanted to emphasize that it's not just that association. It's like so many student networks and associations and alumni associations, not just students, like the, the main one is like the ESN. We all know each who's studying in European university knows the ESN. There's always a branch in, every, in almost every university virtually, the Erasmus Student Network, mostly dealing with incoming students and helping them to adapt. Then it's uh, the net, network for the Erasmus Mundus Journal Master's Degrees, Erasmus Mundus Association. Then it's the new network for the African students. The, I think it's called ASAF. And then it's my network being, on, being going on from the last three years, I think, maybe, maybe four since its inception phase. And And it uh, deals with uh, students from the Western Balkans, professors and others uh, who have uh, received academic formation and trainings uh, through different European programs. And then they go back into their home countries in order to help them network with themselves and promote cooperation in the region. Um, But we can talk more about that in uh, another episode. We can do an extra. That would be nice. Balkans. Good. Then um, I invite all our listeners to discuss with us in our website in the blog section and I would like to really thank all our friends colleagues professors coordinators and people who love us that wanted to share their insights with us for this episode and of course thank you to our listeners this was Paloma and Claudio in the Living Education Podcast before we close our episode for today remember to follow us on our social media We are The Living Education on Facebook. We are The Living Education 1 on Instagram and The Living Ed Podcast uh, on Twitter. Great. So, Paloma, and yeah. close it for today? Yes. Also, don't, don't forget to uh, look at our website, www.thelivingeducation.com. See you soon in our next episode. Bye. It was a pleasure <laughs> having you. Goodbye.